Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Tim Branion. Tim has been a leader in the tech industry since the early 2010. He began his career as an airman in the United States Air Force and realized that wasn't the path he wanted to continue on. In 2011, with no formal education and only slightly over $6,000, he launched his first app. Since then, he has launched hundreds of apps developed hundreds of platforms, and directly supported other multi-million dollar organizations. Tim has scaled to millions of users across his various platforms globally. He teaches others how to build towards their own freedom and wealth. Tim and his team proudly develop technology that customers recommend, entrepreneurs prefer, and partners are proud of. Tim's latest project, True Fans, just surpassed 203,000 plus global users. That platform empowers a wide variety of content creators to earn residual and predictable income from their creative work online without adult stigma. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Tim. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Heck yeah. I'm glad to be here, Dwight. Thanks for having me. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Yeah, so am I. This is exciting. Listeners or people watching, buckle up. We're going to have quite the ride over the next hour. Uh, Tim's got a plethora of knowledge and ex- life experiences to share that can help you to give a heck and level up. So Tim, one of the things I talked about before I, we hit the record button is that I focus on somebody's origin story. So it's not just about your background, you know, this is what Tim did, you know, went to the military. That's all information that we need. I want that as part of your origin, but I want right from your earliest recollections of little Tim, because I find that our earliest recollections and things that happen in our life do affect us throughout our whole life. And mm-hmm. some people just don't think about it. And if you could share that, that would be fantastic. So, you know, what key things from your childhood to adulthood to where you're currently at, um, I'd love if you could share that, please. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. And that's actually the first time anybody's asked me that question. So it's forcing me to think about little Tim. And uh, even as a little guy, you know, I had, I had two great parents that, that raised myself and they had four kids, I've got three siblings. And uh, I remember even when I was a kid, I just didn't quit. I don't know if I was just stubborn or if I was just, uh, just tough. I don't know where, where it came, it was, it was uh, instilled. But, you know, whether me and my dad were wrestling um, and he would throw me on the ground and we would we'd wrestle around, I'd always get back up. And I loved the fight. I loved the, the competitiveness of it. I loved to, to just, you know, enjoy that, that time there. And then as I, as I grew up, um, I always 
know, I had this desire to be first, whether we're walking on a family walk, I wanted to be in front, like leading the way and going or else. And then I got into sports and I always was very competitive there as well. I just enjoyed the challenge of, uh, and, and then I also enjoyed just to, you know, to be up front or, or, or winning. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so for me, you know, I grew up in a great home um, and actually my dad's an entrepreneur as well. So I guess, you know, consciously and subconsciously, I got to watch somebody work a job and mind his freedom or mind his passion that he was doing on the side. So I think maybe that helped as well. Like, like throughout all this information that I was gathering um, going into adulthood, but, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, some rags to riches story per se. I grew up probably lower middle class with a great you know, together family that was encouraging. And um, yeah, had, a, had an all in all a, a great childhood. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So, you know, one of the things you said, you grew up, grew up in lower middle class, but the thing that mm -hmm. I triggered on is the word encouraging. You were yeah. always encouraged, right? Yep. And then you had a role model in the fact that your father was an entrepreneur. Um, my dad too. My dad, very, very successful entrepreneur, workaholic entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But he sent me the groundwork of the fact of how to treat people, how to be a relationship builder, how to mm -hmm. transaction should always be the, the afterthought of what you're doing. If you treat people well, you're always going to be taken care of. And, you know, it's, but we always have, you know, I have people that I've interviewed that don't have good parents and I have people that I interview that are great parents, but in life, your parents aren't going to define your, your, you know, where your ship's going to sail. They certainly can slow down the mindset of people. So by you having great parents, you know, and you talked about having you had a dad that you love to wrestle with. I like that. You just, you yeah, like, you weren't going to quit. It was like, I'm getting back up. Let's go. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, I, and I was, I was a tough kid, like to raise. Um, I was very rebellious. I, I had a mind of my own. I, I very much marched to the beat of my own drum. And now that I have kids, like I realized how tough I was just being that combative kid that had his own thoughts and ways that I thought things should go. And at that time, I really, I really didn't, do a great job of what I call like shutting up and coloring, like just doing, <laughs> my, knowing, yeah, no, no one like position, that. like shut up and color. Like this is your assigned role. I wasn't a good employee or team member at that time, like of my family, truly. And I had a great, I had a great mom and dad. I had a great, I have great siblings. Um, we had conversations and my dad, me, me and my mom butted heads quite a bit. Um, she had her way and she had mine. We're actually very similar. Come to find out later in life. Why we butted <laughs> head. Uh, but my dad was the voice of reason. He was one of the first people in my life that could pull me aside and show me uh, what was occurring at a different angle. He could, he, he was the voice of reason. He was somebody that say, Hey, this is how it's going. And this is, let me shine some light on this son and give you some direction and why it should be this way, or at least something for you to chew on and consider. So my dad is, is still to this day a mentor of mine and somebody that's incredibly wise. He asked for wisdom from the creator. And, and uh, I think that he's been given that. And, and even to this day, you know, I need my dad in, in various situations where I, I want to see something in a different light. So um, that's been a blessing to have him. But growing up, I was a knucklehead man and that, that wanted to do things my way. And I hung out with other knuckleheads that were doing things their way. And I really wasn't going anywhere fast because I didn't have a plan. I more so was just living in the moment of life. 
um, internally realizing that I, at least at the time, believing that I was of value and I could, I could do things. I didn't have a limiting belief on what I could achieve, but I didn't have a plan on how I was going to get there, what it was going to be when I arrived. It was just all kind of waffling in life. Um, anyway, so that, 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 you know, that, that kind of, uh, evolved, right. If you want me to proceed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I love it. You know, like, you know, I will interject though for a second. Yeah. Um, you know, your dad was the voice of reason. He gave you a, a pivoting point to think, think differently. And I find that most entrepreneurs though, as well, you also mentioned, you know, your, your, your dad was, he was again, the captain of his own ship. And, and you've seen that he was controlling his own time and destiny. Most people that have an entrepreneur heart are not good employees. Cause you talked about the fact that you'd never make a good employee or, you know, <laughs> I'm the same way. I could never work for anybody else. Once I had a taste of being an entrepreneur and, and I was in a career when I decided to be that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, like my dad. And I thought mm -hmm. to myself, I couldn't do it. I had self-limiting beliefs. A lot of us do, but I had, I was lucky. It wasn't my dad net per se that pushed me to be an entrepreneur. I had somebody that I, you know, hired me and he just kept on pushing me into being my own entrepreneur to go back to school, to into electronics engineering and to take that and develop my own business and just different things that led me into where I am to now. Yeah. Um, our direction of focus can be there from our parents, but I still give you kudos because you had to decide to do that, you know, and then also realizing that you butted your heads, you're too much like your mom. And yeah. I'm, the, I'm like that with my dad. So at least you can reach out to your dad. My dad, if I reach out and got advice to him, even in his eighties, he can give me some good advice, but he also has the ability to push buttons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I, I saw, so like my dad gave me an example that it was possible. Like he, he worked his job. I knew he went to work and then he would go out on the weekend. My dad's a professional comedian. So, oh, okay. you know, not really a traditional career path, right? He would, he would go out. And then when I remember when he was like first starting, you know, thinking back and he would go out and, and do his show. And I didn't know what all that entailed. I never like went with him because I think when he was first starting out, he was going to like comedy bars and, you know, I was too young to, to have a beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, to watch him pack his stuff and leave work, come home, play with us, throw us around a bit and then kiss us and Hey, I'll be back later and, and realize like my mom would explain what dad was doing. It wasn't foreign to me. I don't think like maybe it might be to, to other folks that, you know, the, the reality that you can start something, you can work a job and mind your freedom or work a job and mind your passion and, and, and things that, you know, are really, you're planning on really paying you and not just monetarily, but, but in that, you know, wealth, what we were talking about full circle life, building your life, you don't need a vacation from. And uh, yeah, so my dad was, was my first, you know, level of belief there for me. Um, and then, he, taught, you know, he taught you that you could be present and still be your own, your own person. You could be your yeah. own entrepreneur. Cause you said he came home and he'd play with you guys and kiss you and then off he go, but he mm -hmm. always was present in your life. That's what I'm yeah. hearing. And that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. And, and I've always been, I think I've always been a capitalist or always been an entrepreneur. I remember, you know, growing up lower middle class, like if I wanted it, I had to have money to buy it. So, you know, my parents weren't just giving me money for shoes or they weren't just giving us 
any of any of the kids in the family like if we wanted a car we had to earn it we wanted you know, I wanted a moped or a scooter I had to earn it so I was always thinking of ways to create income and uh, that forced me to think about the market so as a young kid high school was my market like these were the students these were the people in my small little community my city and all the guys that I knew played video games and they they loved uh you know, the Xbox, when I was growing up, Halo 2 was a video game that was like this really popular multiplayer game and really kind of, you know, uh, the Xbox became this big deal. My, my first hustle in high school was selling modded Xboxes that uh, basically came pre-configured with emulators and games already pre-established on them. And you could search the so internet. So you were which, one of those guys. Yeah, you could search the internet. You could search and browse the internet on a regular yeah. Xbox, which wasn't common. But, no. but the hustle was, it was $100. They would ride my bus, drop off their Xbox in my corner. I would have a 24-hour turnaround. And then once I gave them their Xbox back, they could then buy games from me, which was the residual component of now having an Xbox that can play modified games. So Sweet. it was this, yeah, and I did really well. Uh, you know, Microsoft, if you're listening, I'm sorry, no longer. <laughs> Don't come after me. Yeah, but it was I've, like- I've reformed. Know, but thank you for allowing me the opportunity to, to build that muscle and, and learn uh, as an entrepreneur and, and create, you know, service. And yeah. I learned about troubleshooting. I learned about customer support. And that was really like my first tech entrepreneurial hustle um but i was young man I, I wasn't even able to drive yet i think i was like 14 or 15 years old and uh wow. yeah, put together my own little computer got on the internet and learned how to how to soft mod and you know created a service that worked right it, it turned a profit and that's uh, exciting so yeah i've always had like this desire to to generate income and or to solve a problem i've always been aggressively curious and I think I get that from, from also, you know, my childhood and being nourished to ask questions, being nourished to, or not like shunned or, or told, don't ask. It's more so, you know. So you everything. weren't, you weren't told that, that stupid phrase where children are better to be seen, not heard. You were allowed to be vocal. Oh yeah. And I, I wouldn't have been able to help it. I don't think even if we were told not to ask or told to pipe down, I just, the way I'm wired, I'm, I want to know how things work or why they're the way they are. And I cannot just accept it's because it is, it oh, is what I, it is. I can't it is. stand when I people can't, say it it's is like, well, it wait is. a second. No, it's got, there has, <laughs> there's a reason or I, I, I can't just be in a box. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, that, that's been, uh, that's been good and bad at times for me. You know, sometimes it's unfortunate if you, if you discover things, the reason why things are, and it's, it's a little disheartening. At well, times. It, or it can be, yeah, but it's also, but, it's, but you know what though? So that has to be hardwired into your personality because there's other people in similar circumstances to you, but they all just be their docile. They'll just accept that life is what it is and they become patterned people they're they're just living a pattern of life what their parents tell them they should do or their school system tells them they should do the universe says you should do this go to work go home get paid they get on that yeah. hamster wheel of life and they get stuck in a rut and they live a very uneventful life because sure. they forget that life is a journey that needs to be experienced even yeah. even myself when i couldn't experience as we talked about earlier travel 
I was raising kids of my own. I lived in the present moment with them. We go to the park, we yep. go on a trip, we go camping or whatever. Those are all memories that that's life journey. There's yep. so many people that, you know, I hear, especially older people, 60, 70, you know, Oh, I, you know, I wish I would have done this. And I wish I would have done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll do it. Well, I can't do it. Yes, you sure. can. Yeah. Right? That's I, I tell folks, right? that I, I would, for the sake of innovation, I just actually wrote this on my LinkedIn for the sake of innovation and prosperity. I wish that people were more afraid of regret than they were afraid of, of making the decision and taking the action because uh, you shouldn't die with the music. You shouldn't, everybody's got, everybody's got something that they can give. And and I think that the, I wish I knew the exact solution for the people that are living in their own apprehensions or living in their own fear, living in their own um, stagnicity to be able to just give it to them. I wish I could send them an email. And then oh, boom, they, me they, too. Or we just, we go, you know, we just, <laughs> we, we, we have something on television or a podcast or audio where it would be subliminal, uh, subliminal <laughs> processing where it would just take away fear. From yeah. Them. I, I want know, them to experience that, that abundance that is the belief and, and the realization that, um, you know, you're, you're not stuck. You can, you can make a choice today that this is what this is what i want to achieve here's the action items and the plan i can envision and i can see it like like being able to turn that on to people would revolutionize their life and we'd see a lot more we'd, we'd see a lot more cool stuff oh, and, oh absolutely i love what i love when you said that i felt the the warm and fuzzies in here when you said music die in you because i say that to people all the time for 20 years and especially yeah. since I started my brand a couple of years back, back in 2020, people say to me, why are you doing what you're doing? You don't need to. Yeah, I do. Why? Because I don't want the music to die in me. What do you mean by that? I have all this knowledge and all this wisdom. Again, listeners, people watching wisdom is created by having mistakes in life, converting it mm-hmm. to a life lesson and learning from it and moving forward. So not everybody has wisdom. Contrary, just because you're an older person doesn't mean you have wisdom. You can have somebody, I've, I've talked to people in their late 20s, early 30s that have more wisdom than people in their 40s and 50s and 60s because they have sure. been a person similar to you, um, Tim, that literally have learned through the process and you continue to elevate and move up. And by the music not dying in me, that means that I don't want all that wisdom that I've come to, to die. I want to make sure that it helps even one person maybe 10, maybe a hundred, maybe I keep on going and I help thousands or millions. I'm not going to limit how many people it might help, but I don't want that to die inside of me. How many people are dying right now at this minute that had maybe the ability to have the cure for cancer, but they never, ever applied themselves. Right. Right. That, that music's died. They've died. Their memories died. They're just, they're a blip. Um, I was interviewed earlier today on a podcast, a uh, guy that lives in, he lives in the United Kingdom and he wanted me on his podcast. And we talked a lot about legacy and what are you leaving behind and realizing that legacy is living. So Tim, mm-hmm. you're, you're already creating your living legacy because people are watching you. I'm watching you now that we've become friends and you're going to be, you're not going to be necessarily not polarizing, but you're going to be more thought provoking when you're 
putting your message out there, when you're helping other people, when you're coaching them, when you're, you know, doing whatever. And that's making sure that the music doesn't die in you already. And I'm, yeah. I'm proud of meeting you. That's awesome, brother. Yeah, man. And it's funny you say that. So like, I'm building a personal brand. I'm putting stuff out there, right? I want to, I don't have anything to sell. I just, I want to give away what I've learned, whether it's client acquisition, how to build software, how to create residual passive and all these different things that I've like failed enthusiastically to learn, or I've opened up a book or I've asked questions or I've been unparalyzed enough to, to pursue even just Googling. Like even that's, that can be a step one is just Googling it and, and re researching, filtering what's good, taking away what's, you know, what's bad or not, not going to serve the, the uh, pursuit. But like, I think about, I'm producing this digital content right now. That's going to live on a server somewhere, live on a channel somewhere. And my son, my daughter, right. Could potentially watch this. So as I'm creating this, this content, and as I'm sharing answers to, to, to questions and putting myself out there, um, there's a, there's a potential that my son might run into this later. And then I started thinking like everybody's somebody's son or daughter. And while I believe it's my responsibility to serve my son and my daughter, I also started thinking about, well, it's also my responsibility in some capacity. If I'm a Christian guy to serve my creator. And it's, and I think by default, if I give this stuff away, I'm serving someone else's son. So typically like the, the folks that resonate with me the most are around my age. And I, I don't know, that was just a profound thought to me that I can impact someone else's son to hit their own objectives or to here, here's this thing that's going to help you find your own uh, wealth, find your own freedom, your own freedom number. Because everybody's different, right? So to be able to impact people by, by sharing what I've, what I've, I've learned through failure, through reading, through consumption, um, that's very impactful and fulfilling to me. And I feel like it's, I'm walking in my purpose. A lot of people ask, well, why? It's my responsibility. It's that simple. It's, my, it's the response to my ability to give this away. And my hope is that I'm, I'm granted the opportunity. I'm granted the, the blessing to be able to serve more people and grow, grow a bigger table. That's the only reason I want it. If it's just for me, I'm not inspired anymore. If it's just like, if I create a shit ton of money, and it's just for me to have a huge mansion. It'd be a very yeah. lonely mansion, It'd be a very lonely story. And it wouldn't be me walking in alignment with my purpose. I so, you know, I'm thinking about, and, and, and I say that, and I hope that somebody can vibe with that or resonates with that for themselves. And the truth is, is everybody flips that switch as a man and walks within their responsibility, walks within their purpose. The world becomes a very prosperous place in general. It's, it's a ripple effect. Oh, so absolutely. Part of that is, you know, we've seen what's happened over the last few years, dude. And it's been atrocious. I'm a military veteran, right? So I love, yeah, freedom. I, know. I should, yeah. I love, I love freedom and to see the diminishment of freedom and free speech and all this crazy stuff that occurred, you know, rocked me. It shook me. I'm, I was, it's uncomfortable. And to see all these people, you know, uh, afraid, right. And, and fearful, my only hope of all that, and I won't go down that road, my only hope of all that is that it, it, it demands and it creates this desire for, for leaders to come out and emerge from the chaos that took place and all the nonsense that took place to come out and lead in their schools, lead in their communities, lead in their families, lead in their, in their, uh, in their purpose and walk in alignment. Um, 
we need it. Again, me thinking about my kids, me thinking about my wife, me thinking about me building in this chapter that I've this allotted time that we have and wanting to make the most of it. Well, life's in session. This isn't a dress <laughs> rehearsal, right? And you mentioned right. about the fact of I'm I'm a Christian as well. God, you know, like we you hear that old story. Maybe you, you probably heard it where you know the guys, the guys, there's a flood coming and you know the person comes on a boat person comes with a helicopter i'll try to save it the guy dies and goes up to heaven and says hey god why didn't you save me what what else did you want me to send you god sends god doesn't directly influence or reflect our lives god influences humankind mankind whatever you want to call it womankind Mm -hmm. to be a vessel to go out and serve and help others right? right and people don't understand like you know for those listening if you're not you know, you're not Christian, you're not God fearing. That's fine. You can be spiritual. You can talk to the universe. I don't care. What I am going to ask you to do is be kind, serve others. And you do that. It's always going to come full circle. You're going to get taken care of the universe, God, whatever you want to believe in is going to take care of you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you will have a better, as you put alignment with your purpose when you serve others. If you're always trying to serve you, as Tim said, and you're trying to get lots and lots of money, what good is all that money? Right. <laughs> like, like I told Tim earlier, I, I recorded a, I record a vlog. My listeners know that I record them. I have a lot of people that watch them every day. I did one minute one in the last few days that I don't want to be the richest guy in the cemetery. Mm. Right. And within minutes, there was a thousand mm. plays of it. It was just like, literally because of the fact the caption on it's going to shock people. What do you mean by that? Well, it was pretty simple. One minute, just talk about the fact that I don't want to be the wealthiest. What good is having all that money and I'm dead in a cemetery? Sure. I want to impact people with their hearts, their mind, their body, their soul. I want to give all my information away. Obviously, I need money to survive and live a good life. And I want to leave money to my children. I want to leave the uh, uh, not just an emotional and knowledge legacy, a financial legacy, but I better do the first two well, because I don't right. want to, I want to be the guy that goes up to, and we talked about Ed Milet. Ed Milet talks about it all the time. He goes up to the pearly gates. He doesn't want God saying, you know what? That's who little Eddie should have been. This is who little Eddie is. He wants mm. to be as close to the reflection of what he was supposed to be. And that's uh, that always sits mm. with me when Ed talked about that. I've heard him talk about it in a room sitting right across from him. I've literally that has impacted my life. I want to yeah. be the version of who I should, who God wants me to be, mm. not the, not what everybody in society thinks I should be. So I'm always yeah. striving to be the best version of myself every day. <laughs> Yeah, I, love, I love that, man. And, and people, you know, you can call it the, the universe, you can call it whatever. The reality is the law is still in place. That in, in the reality is we can think, we can create, that is a godlike characteristic, in my opinion. The ability to think, plan, and create, it makes us very unique as, as you know, beings on this planet. Oh, absolutely. It's a godlike thing. So, to, so how you think matters to what you create everybody that's listening if you look around the room everything started as a manifestation of thought your table your dad i don't know if you're driving right now your steering wheel the the car the vehicle the engine all the components the technology all started from somebody's thought processes so if it's true that thoughts create things how you think about yourself how you think about you know what you believe about yourself and in your capabilities and and and, and just you know both conscious and subconscious thoughts matter indefinitely and i believe that 
we're meant to prosper and we're meant to create our heaven on earth and your words can create worlds. And when you forget that is when you start creating a bad world, you start creating a, uh, it's, it's actually that that's when the negative things come into place, the fear, the anxiety, the depression, the stuckness, we'll call it that. I'll make up my own word stuckness. I like it though. (laughs) And it's like, you know, when you flip the switch on that and you realize that you are made from the same substance that binds galaxies and you don't have to believe like in the, in a creator of the universe. I do like without like unapologetically, because it makes the most sense for me in the research that I've done in my pursuit. When you realize that, that you are a part of, you can create, um, that you're a divine being, uh, what, what can really stop you? And, and then you realize it's yourself. And once you take ownership of that, and you realize that you're the guy that you're in competition with, and you're the guy that's talking you out of your blessings and getting in the way of your opportunities, and you can take some extreme ownership there, then, you, then you, uh, things will change for that individual. And that's all that I'm just arrested. I'm, I am literally a result of that. You know, we all have, I own a multi-million dollar software company. I've hit higher highs than some, but there's definitely people way bigger than me. Right. And, and it's a constant, but you're aspiring to be a better version of you. You're not trying to compete with that person that has more than you. You're being the best Tim that can be. What you said is awesome too. And I think it expands somebody's horizons when it's not just about money, but more so what the money can do as a tool for yourself, your family, other people. Imagine you have, you know, you don't really need much more than 20 grand a month to live anywhere in the United States really well. You can Around just, the world. You can go to yeah, places in the world where you're, you're literally a king or a queen on yeah, 20 grand a month. That's a good man. amount of money. And everybody's freedom number is different. You're, you're rich as a ratio between how much oh, you make versus exactly. how much you spend. That's it. And, and you can set your life up accordingly to your freedom number. That's what and I And what bling people. and toys do you want? Right. Or do you really yeah. need? Right. That, now that's the big key. But, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, when you have these goals or you have these these envisioned ways that you're going to use money as a vessel to fund a charity, to fund to, to help somebody else or to, or to build this profound thing that's going to that's what's going to invigorate you. That's what's going to get you excited to go out and produce. And it's going to help you start creating that architectural plan. I call it a vision plan. I don't like the word business plan. It's too dull. No, it is. It's overused too. It's this really vision easy. plan. Yeah. I agree. And, that's uh, good. Anyway, that's that's my two cents on the whole thing. And I've had to learn this. I learned through honestly failing enthusiastically and, uh-huh. and believing that I if if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And I I can do it. Other people are just people that have that have gotten out of their own way, that gave themselves uh, uh, you know, that's, that's just my, my core thoughts. I don't feel like there's something magical about even Ed Milet or, you know, Tony Robbins or all these people. They just think different and they think different because they use different information. You know, but they're always, believe- they're always putting new information in. Them. <laughs> right. you, you know, even, even if you coach others and you work with others, I honestly believe I'm going to need coaching the rest of my life. And every time I think I've arrived, that's when I've already failed. Yeah. Right. I'd never Wrong. want to arrive. And people say, well, you eventually have to have a, an end result. Well, yeah, on this thing, 
And now sure. I'm on to the next thing, or that's a piggyback effect. It's a leapfrog effect. I, I'm never going to arrive. Ed's never going to arrive. Anybody right. I know that's a true entrepreneur, and I'm not talking, and some of the billionaires on our planet, as a side note, might piss people off to hear this, make me sick. They yeah. When you have that much wealth held by such a few people, and when you really look at what they do on a world basis to help mankind or humankind, pardon me, they are they're despicable people despicable yeah. i'm sorry when 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 one world's billionaire can go out and and world when poverty and doesn't do it shame on you shame on all shame on, be, on all of them because i'd be god, curious god, if it. god was a if god was a creature that could cry right he'd be weeping right now i'd be curious to I, you know there's I, i've never met i've actually never met I don't think I've ever met a billionaire in person. Of course, I've seen, I've seen them like on the internet. I've yeah. read people that have you know made books and stuff that are that are billionaires. So I've never well, met one in person. Yeah, Ed, Ed's, to... quite, Ed's not quite there, and I've met Ed a few times. Right, I've yeah. had conversations. Yeah, Ed, Ed's worth about four hundred million, five hundred million US now. So someday, <laughs> but even then, you know, even you know, and I like Ed. Even he could do more, in my opinion. Yeah. Just, just saying, not saying for him, himself, I'm saying for, I think anybody worth, you know, 30, 40, 50, hundred million, like you better, you know, I'm not saying he does do a lot because I've talked to him, He did, but even they, the wealthy faction of our world need to do more. Cause yeah, like it you becomes, said, dial it, it becomes, back to the fact if you only need 20 grand a month to live and you own a Ferrari, <laughs> that's just materialism. I'm yeah, not saying it's, people it's maybe should a own trophy. It. It's yeah, I'm not saying they cool, shouldn't own but... it. Own that trophy, right? I interviewed a guy a couple of days ago. He's worth millions and he couldn't bring himself. His desire was to always, and that episode will be out in a few weeks. He was just, his desire was to have a Ferrari, but he could not bring himself to go and buy a Ferrari. Yeah. So he went and got a kit car Ferrari because it was a third of the price. <laughs> and, but yet he could afford to pay cash and buy the Ferrari. Yeah. Yep. Like, I just couldn't bring myself to do it, Dwight. I looked at, sure. oh my gosh, I wanted a Ferrari. So I got a kick car Ferrari for a third of the price. And I used that other money to go out and make a difference. And I forget, I forget what he all did That's with awesome. that money. Right. But there's not enough of those type of people. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a special, so that, that person, sometimes people arrive at where they're going just to realize that they haven't arrived. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of the case. I think when people hit awareness, benchmarks, right? money, like benchmarks with money specifically, right. I, I was fortunate, man. I, so I, I had a short stint in the air force. We talked about that. I think before we were even <laughs> live. Yeah. I, was, I have, I have some questions about that because I have uh, quite a few military uh, friends in the U S and Canada and vets that listen to the, to the show. And it, you know, so there's some questions I'm going to ask you about that too. If we get, hopefully we get to it. If not, yeah. we're having, we're, if not, we're going to part two. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I had, you know, I was in the military and that changed my life. It brought me around people and, and uh, opportunities that I otherwise wouldn't had if I stayed here. That was my first risk that I took was leaving my nest. So one of the know? questions I have around that is, you began at your, your career as an airman, right? In, mm -hmm. in the U.S. Air Force. What did those years teach you that still resonate with your life you built today? Yeah, integrity, service before self, excellence, and everything that I do. Those are the core values. 
So integrity, awesome. service for self, excellence. And those are easy to say. And I thought they were corny when I was in, to be honest. They're in not. General, in general wrote them up. And, I, and when I, you know, I was 18 years old and I joined, I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of corny. But then as I, as I stayed in and as I realized all the different cogs, if you will, in the engine and all the different nuances of what that, pro- that general was probably thinking about and, and what he could do to kind of layer them all, it's very, the very simple words that can have profound impacts on your life and in your business. When you have integrity, it's doing the right thing when no one else is watching. Way easier said than done. You know, way easier said than done. Um, service before self is simply service before yourself. You're thinking about your customer. You're thinking about your family. You're thinking about your fellow man. And then excellence in everything you do, very easy to say, very challenging. Do you make your bed with excellence? Do you work out with excellence? How many do people you... don't even make their bed? Right. Like, do you, are you? You're already breaking a promise. <laughs> like I promise myself and I do it because I don't like breaking promises to myself. Yeah. And, right. and, but that, that again is having a standard. So that's another thing the military gave me was discipline, setting a standard for, uh, you know, how we conduct business and how we, you know, and, and in the military, it's high stakes, dude. I mean, if you don't do something, someone could potentially die or get hurt. And early on when you're in boot camp, making your bed and uh, not stepping in a certain area or carrying a tray a certain way. Everything's measured. Everything's calculated. There's a process system and methodology to everything. And you don't question it. You get in line with it. And when you're in line with it, you, you start to realize you become indoctrinated into these processes and why they're the way they are. And you start to see a macro view of the whole Air Force or the military in your position that you get assigned in boot camp. You don't realize that until you're probably a few weeks in, maybe, or if you're slow like me, like ninth week, you realize, oh shit, this is cool. <laughs> um, so like when, when you are doing yeah, so, so the stakes are really high and, but I would not change anything about my, my time in the military, who I was around, what I, what I learned. And it's, it's definitely been profound for uh, my business and how I treat people. It, it was actually an opportunity for me because I deployed every six months, like every six to eight months, I volunteered to, to go overseas. So I've been to Iraq, flew over Afghanistan, been to Qatar, been to Kuwait, been to all these places. And I got a chance to work with people from all walks of life. Um, you know, the military is this conglomeration of, of people in, in the United States Air Force military. But then, you know, you talk about foreign nationals and I work with people from Uganda. I work with people from different parts of Africa, India, Malaysia, um, yeah, all over the planet. And um, even the Canadian army, look at that. We've had experience with you awesome guys. And um, so that, and I think the number one thing that the military did for me was aggravated this deep desire to serve and this deep desire to, to play a position, the mission that, that, you know, and attain success, you know, this early on, this unedited version of like what I thought success was going to be. And, okay. uh, yeah, that's a lot. That's a, but you know what? That's awesome. It, it taught you structure. It taught you, it mm. give you a purpose. But I, I hear that from a lot of my friends that served in, and I have more military friends from the U S than I do in Canada, just because of just networking sure. and circumstances. And, um, the, the military taught you so much that you've taken into your current life. But, you know, I, I know there's people, 
like you look like a David Goggins and look how long he's he's and all he's accomplished or so many other people in the military what was can you tell me what was the deciding factor that made you realize it was time to leave the Air Force and move on yeah uh so I saw the I saw the end road I saw I looked around and I saw the rank advancements and the time and grade would get me to about here and then I looked at those men and women in those roles and I thought I don't know if this is for me, you know, I started to think about different, different ways that I could continue to grow or where I could work. Initially, I was, I was signing up for four years, um, love it or hate it. I was going to build my resume and that was going to help me, you know, get a job and you know, still trying to find kind of my way. Um, I didn't realize all the characteristics I was going to get. I didn't realize, you know, the, uh, the, the things that I was going to extract external of like money and external of, yeah, you know, some of the skills and such that I would learn. But uh, so the, the pivoting point for me was just being able to see where I was going to be and realizing that I was just a, a ranked employee and I wanted something different. I wanted to, uh, you know, part of it was I, I, I was really comfortable in the military, but part of it was I can, I can continue to excel. And although this is a great retirement, I could do it more part time and then go on a little bit of an adventure here. So I went to school that was going to be this new forefront adventure. And I, I was super burnout. <laughs> I felt like cattle. I went to school and I was surrounded by people who had no fucking clue why they were there mm-hmm. or no idea like what they were. They're doing. just it a just, digit. It was they're just a digit the on step digit in their, life. They were just waffling through. So the system had put them there and, you know, they're paying for it. Fortunately, I got to go for free because I had served. So I was on the GI bill and, and I was miserable. I did well. I, I did what I was, you know, I, I grinded through it. I shut up and colored. We talked about that earlier, mm-hmm. shut up and colored it. And uh, I got to this, I was, I was during this time, this, okay. So this was my first like real restlessness and discontent moment where I'm almost borderline depressed because I'm going to school. It's not what I thought it was going to be. I'm fucking miserable because I'm looking around and, and people weren't even paying attention in class. Like these were not sharp people. I went to a small general school. I wasn't going to Harvard. <laughs> so like, you know, these kids are, they're kids first off. And I don't feel like we have anything in common. And I'm sitting here like, what is going on? What am I doing? Here? Like, this isn't help. This isn't going to help me. Like, this isn't the right place to be. And I knew that. And I felt that. So I did something about it, which is, I think the first place that a lot of people go wrong is they, they don't get out of that uncomfortable, uncomfortability. They stay stuck. I was like, screw this. I'm dipping out. What can I do? Okay. And I put the thinking cap on. And I, I had heard that contracting overseas, you could make a large amount of money. Um, and I, I didn't have a wife and kids at the time. And I could do the same thing that I'm already qualified to do in the military, but as a civilian. So I'd heard that it's, it's just a really good thing. So I started sending my application out everywhere and started calling people, talking to people. Hey, do we have any, it's kind of like a who, you know, sort of deal to get in. And, you know, after failing and failing and seeking, I get an opportunity and I get a, I get a call. So I'm, I'm on the next plane. You know, I, I sell all my stuff and put most of the rest in storage. And I, I moved to Kuwait. I lived in Kuwait for about three and a half years. And, and this is, you know, I'll, I'll kind of lead up to my second discontent. I was in Kuwait making more money than I've ever made in my entire life working a job. And I did that for three and a half years. I got to travel the world, made some awesome friends. But it was no way to live a life after that three years of Groundhog's Day and really grinding to hit this money number, which I didn't really need in the first place. I didn't really know why I was acquiring so much money. I didn't have a plan. 
I was so burnt out and I, I, I remember going into work and just being like, here I am again, you know, here I am again. I'm just trading my time for money. I was looking at my family, like back home during holidays, like getting together. I was watching life happen, like external from like this kind of lever, <laughs> like elevated view and thinking in the first time in my life, I, I really started auditing. What is wealth for me? What do I want? What is important? And that those questions ultimately got me to thinking about uh, freedom and how could I attain it? And, and the only thing that made sense in my head, it wasn't working more hours. It wasn't getting another job. It wasn't, you know, staying there and working for 10, 20 years and then using that lump sum as a, you know, now that I'm an older guy, this is hypothetical, to, to then go live a life. It's like, fuck that what's the best way entrepreneurship made sense but then it got me to think okay well what is the business that can pay me even half of what i'm earning right now but i can own my time i can uh, not lose all my hair and lose all my energy in, in, in uh, you know in the process of building this and so i racked my brain on everything dude from a hot dog stand to a you know franchise to a bike rental shop, like literally I wrote out everything and, and tried to figure out what could pay me in all those things that I just mentioned. Um, but still have tech, time freedom though. Yeah. Like it could pay me in all these things that were important to me, time, freedom, money, residual passive income, something I could pass down, something that I could set the rules on and, and own my life while well, still, you know, I didn't need to be a billionaire at that time. I just needed to make enough to call my own shots and not have to clock in, in 140 degree weather every day. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. so tech became this thing that made sense. So with no, literally no formal education, just belief on fire. I said, I can do this. I don't know how to code. I don't know how to engineer. I don't, I don't have a degree in this, but I know enough that I can research. I know that YouTube's available. I know that this guy's doing it. I saw an ad for a guy that was selling a software that I admired and just instantly had belief in that, that something like this could work. And I believe that software could be global. I believe that there's a lot of different pain points that can be solved by technology. And I knew that I could sell. I knew that I could create distribution, like through sales guys I knew or different video mechanisms. Like that made sense. I, I could grasp that part. I just had no idea how I was going to build the software. I had no clue how I was going to bring this thing to life. So with ignorance on fire, I went out and like, I think most people probably do. Uh, I got on Fiverr, I got on Upwork, I put out a LinkedIn post, I started asking my friends, hey, do you know any engineers and developers? And long story short, through that process of failing, literally for more than what most people invest in their business to start with, showed for hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, I've, I've found an awesome team that has since become an integral part of, of, of you know, bringing software to life. And... Uh, you know, and that's a bit of a hell of a journey, man. Like learning, I didn't go to university, but I definitely went to the university of, of trial. Hard knocks, of yeah. Life. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm glad I did because now I understand uh, real world application and like real world systems and processes that work to get code shipped and to help a client or help a customer bring something to life that will solve problems for their organization or, you know, existing systems or, or their own clients, um, whether it's then or in the future. So yeah, so now, that's, now and that's how you now got, and... that's how you got to true fans. So 
how did how so that all this knowledge and all these teams of people you put together mm-hmm. and you created true fans because i want to make sure we talk about that what what um does true fans fix for yeah people? what does it bring to the market when you got to that point of creating true fans and now you're 200 and some thousand you got all these all these people that are utilizing their service what did it what did why was true fans the thing that you ended up evolving into yeah so the first platform that we built that was eight and a half years ago so i've been in space a long time now yeah Um, and then that platform since has been sold um which is an awesome experience learning experience but uh true fans started with just identifying what sucked in the market and that's where i always typically find great solutions or tools is by identifying what sucks, whether it's a stakeholder or somebody that's bringing that information to us as a team to build, or if it's me having an idea on, on how we could solve something. So for TrueFan specifically, uh, content creators are being deplatformed. Content creators have been historically underpaid and undervalued. Content creators are being suppressed and limited on their community outreach, and, and their algorithms are literally only giving people 1% to 3%, maybe, if to you're reach lucky the audience yeah to reach the audience that they've brought to this platform it's no secret anymore that your data is being sold it's being used external of of most people's knowledge some people are keen to it now and uh you know the reality is in in that situation anything that's free you're the product <laughs> of the time. absolutely so so you know I, I, that all those things suck and they're happening right now like dialogue is being deleted from from most media platforms if it doesn't meet the mold i think that sucks so all these things that were happening we thought well we can change this we can change we can flip the script we can we can reconfigure the paradigm of traditional social media and we can put content creators first and we can give them nine different ways to monetize their audience and their reach we can give them an invite only platform where uh, you know, it's not like a Walmart where everybody can join and there's no real verification that somebody is who they say they are. Uh, it's more like a country club where you have to be invited or you have to apply and you're either granted access or you're not. Um, we gave them more features and functionality than some of our competitors because we knew we needed to stand out. We couldn't just be another platform. We had to either be, there wasn't, you know, we weren't going to be as good. We needed to become the logical choice. So the next thing that we did, probably the biggest thing outside of like adding new features and functionality, paying more, paying faster, we launched instant payments. The biggest thing is we don't allow adult content. So we're a wholesome alternative to, you know, Patreon only fans for people that are creators that want to monetize and create a fan site, but don't want to be associated to the adult stigma. So we became this place um, that, that is allowing that and creating that, that uh, you know, rally point. And we're proud of that, man. We're excited about where we're going. We've grown globally. We've got an awesome creator base and we're excited about where this is going to go. We've ran zero ads right now too. We've, we've not run a single ad and uh, we're excited to kick those off soon. Um, and it will highlight some of those things that I just mentioned and it will broadcast us out to this group of people that we believe would love to, to you know, take advantage of what we built. So So where where do you see, because you mentioned the algorithms and it frustrates the the crap out of me, how those algorithms control absolutely everything. You can post something that you don't even think that bad or, and all of a sudden you're put in jail 
right? Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, jail, whatever. Where mm-hmm. do you see yourself? Because you, you're, you're really your fingers in the heartbeat and pulse of the industry when it comes to that. Where do you yeah. see it? Social media heading in the next three to five years? It's a great question. So I believe that you as an individual will own your own piece of social media. So just like some people have, like some people right now have their own personal website. I think it will only increase as the barrier to entry and the complexities reduce. Like right now, like think back five years from now, 10 years from now, how challenging was it for somebody to build a website? Oh my gosh. And the crap that was out there. Right. So like the website, website development has become exceptionally more simplistic. Anybody can go to Wix.com. Anybody can go to, you know, get a base level website. Of course, if you want additional functionality or be able to do cooler things, you're going to have to know how to, how to code or have a coder. But uh, yeah, so I think the same thing will happen for the future of social media is that you as a creator, as a maker, you will have your own infrastructure. And our hope as a company is we become the back end empowering that to, you know, we, we become the geek squad, if you will, the people that are handling okay. the nuances, like content compression algorithms, some of the security compliance, some of the ticketing and things um, that are necessary more as a support role versus. So you'll, you'll integrate into the website or will the website be hosted through? I, I imagine. I'm kind of sorry. I just I want imagine, clarification. No, 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 it's a great question. So I, I imagine that the individual will own their domain. The individual will own their data. The individual will own their merchant processor. The individual will own everything right and uh we will become more of a support element in that oh like like as far as like us being the tech arm yeah we are more so the behind the scenes that have connected those integrations okay and then we earn we earn an ongoing for that being the geek squad if you will to somebody's or we're the residual and the the logistics behind yeah so that's, that's kind of where I imagine things will go, but simplifying the process to somebody creating that uh, front end is, is the important piece of that idea that I just shared. That's, that's amazing. Um, people listening or watching, you know, social media is not going anywhere. But, you know, I look at Mighty Networks, I look at all these different companies that have come up trying to combat against the control mm. of, these, of these companies and controlling what we can say and what we can't say. Obviously, we got to be careful. You don't want to be inciting hate and, and harm. But sure. people, one of our freedoms that we have in North America is the ability to have free speech. Yeah. As long as you're not being morally and you know, legally apprehensible, we should be able to be able to say stuff and Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn, all of them control. And like you said, one to 3%. And that's on that. And that's if you're posting regularly. And that's if you have like a lot of outreach with connections and followers or, and, and, you know, you don't know one moment if it's because they didn't like it or you don't get comment and everybody tries to guess what the algorithms are. How about we just have something that doesn't have an algorithm that we can, (laughs) you know, except for making sure that you're not telling people to go kill themselves. (laughs) Right. Or, or the issue, the issue is that it's not that they get, they have a pay to play model. 
Absolutely. If you want to get your reach, you have to pay for your reach. And that's because advertisements are paying their electric bill. Advertisements are what, you know, Facebook and these other first starting platforms were built on. It wasn't centered around the creator. It was how do we monetize this thing that we built? So we've got this thing, we've got all these expenses, we've got all these people. Well, who wants to talk to these people? Well, businesses do. Well, we can broadcast these businesses and ad space. And that's, that's great if the, in my opinion, if the user Gets is paid. not only, yeah, is participating in that revenue. Simultaneously, if that, if that person, the creator, the user of the platform turns that on, if they decide, yes, I would like to monetize my page. And yes, I would like this, this individual be able to advertise to my people. I just think that there's like, that has to change as well. Absolutely. And we're going to see, we're going to see a whole new world of, of technology now that like web three is happening and crypto technology. It's wild, wild west. I'm not going to get into like my beliefs or thoughts on the crypto world right now. It's too crazy. Well, but, and as but, a finance dude, I have my opinions, but I won't share them through in this podcast. We can have yeah, a conversation it's about a that outside of this. It is. <laughs> It's batshit crazy. And on one front, it should be controlled. And other fronts, it shouldn't be. It's, you know what, I'm just going to sit back and watch it unfold. And let those that can become billionaires or millionaires overnight with it and lose it just as quick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I will continue to think and create and have a business that I know is controllable by myself. And those I associate with that I know is you know, literally I can look at a business, an entrepreneur, and we control, mm. we are the captain. We might have some co-pilots. We might have some support networks. We might have a, you know, a Tim supporting Dwight or a Dwight supporting Tim because we care about one another, but we control what the message is. We control totally. what's going on. And yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm all about utility. There will be companies that emerge that have real world utility that are solving problems. And I believe that you're paid in direct proportion to your ability to solve problems. Thank you. That's and true. and crypt, cryptography is a wonderful thing. The technology is not new. It's just now being like discovered. But cryptography and like crypto in general, uh, blockchain, isn't this like brand new thing? It's evolving now that it's been spotlighted. You're right. But you know, Bitcoin's like 10 years old or, or even older than that now. It's just now being like, looked I think it's at. about 13 or something. Yeah, like, that. like with, with like utility. And, and but it's no different things. than the stock market. Somebody's going right. to always be at the top of the freaking heap. There's sure. always going to be just the billionaires. And there's just, there's always, there are going to be people that are in that 91% that I talked about. Like 91 people out of 100, they're toast. From my, you know, I've got a background in national you know, security and security policies and, I was in the Department of Defense as, as a professional in that security world for a long time. And I don't believe in long-term DeFi due to national security issues and due to all these things that if it was unregulated completely, that's a recipe for disaster. 100%. Like a lot of recipe for, for chaos. So I do believe in some level of, of uh, compliance. Yeah. yeah. Compliance and regulate. It has to, however, Within um, that's reason, just though. One, that's just one market that crypto falls into. There's logistics. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, there's uh, uh, internet service providing. There is all these different areas that will be changed by the technology. Um, so I, my only recommendation on that, and I'm not a financial advisor, would be to look at the teams, look at the companies that are act not don't just have a really cool 
white paper about what they're they're saying they're going to solve but look at what they're actually solving how many people are using it getting the result and excited about that result they're obtaining like those are the the teams and the companies that i would look to to invest in or support or get involved in um because i think they'll be here through the the wild wild west rodeo well you look for the tangibles look for the people that are yeah look exactly look for the tangibles look for the people that are actually that can be a back-end partials you know the crypto or blockchain and all that stuff i get that but it's the people it's the real world changes that are bringing a service or a physical product to the table that are going to change the world that may be a a solution for payment because i know people are taking payments already with with Mm -hmm. uh crypto and stuff and that's fine go for it i to me that wild wild west i'm not ready to tell my clients or anybody to jump onto that. I'm not telling them they can't look at it, but be cautious. It's like anything else. Why is there so much compliance in the stock market? There is, there is, and really there isn't the right compliance if you're honest, but you know what I mean? Otherwise you wouldn't have calls and you wouldn't have puts, you wouldn't have billionaires Mm -hmm. that can buy both positions and make gazillions. And statistically (laughs) only, do you know, over the last 50 years, the stock market has only made two to 3% of people money. The rest all lose. Yeah. Cause they don't, they don't have enough to play the money game. They don't know the rules of the money game. The billionaires may not know it, but they know who to hire that knows it and they continue to make money. And again, I'm not against people making money. I'm against the fact that the middle class and the poor are always the ones that are at at the expense of all that right? Mm -hmm. Not enough people actually making a difference and solutions and products that can change and make everybody have that 20,000 a month. Yeah. What a wonderful, what a wonder, you know, empathy at the highest levels of, of CEO or highest levels of founder, highest level of president. You know, that, that person is who has my vote. That person who who has my thumbs up is the person that's actually, that actually gives a shit. They don't have empathy though. Right. Oh, I think that, you know, I don't know where it goes or if it was ever had, um, you know, for some of those folks and I can't general, I, I don't want to, but, but to have that as someone who is, who has attained a high level of success or a high level of, of uh, income to be able to then be a good steward of it, in my opinion, is, is the definition of like wealth. If you've maintained being that dude, <laughs> Like a good and he stewarded success of others. You're still, yeah, and you're still giving back, and you're still like through all the various complexities that have to occur in order for you to get to that. You know, all the spreadsheets you've looked at, all the finance things, all the people you personnel you have in place to grow to that hundred million, five hundred million, whatever you end up at. You know, to remain that person that is that is filled with empathy and gratitude and and. Yeah, that's and that serving, in my opinion. Serving you're, others. you're actually yeah. successful in that place. That's yeah. when I'll give somebody credit for who, you know, me being who I am. It's just like whatever. Maybe they're not looking for that, but I hope that they find peace and I hope that they find their half. My my that's genuine. I really do hope that some of the people that I've met people that are wildly successful, but it seems like they're missing something too. It seems like they're unfulfilled. So those people, you know, I think auditing themselves at that new high that they're at you know, it may be time for them to change too. It may be time for them to get a coach or maybe time for them to- Or to change out, coaches. Right, what's wealth mean to me? Mm-hmm. What What is wealth? And the truth is, 
you know, it's, it's, I think it's walking in alignment with your purpose and then discovering what is my purpose? What is my responsibility? It's not just acquiring huge amounts of money. Absolutely. In my opinion. I agree. hundred percent, hundred percent. One of the things I wanted to, is we're, we're going a little bit past what I normally go past, but that's okay. Cause I got a couple more things and I ask you to yeah. we'll wrap up. Um, so what is one core piece of advice you could give other aspiring entrepreneurs on their darkest days of building their purpose? Man, it's so easy to say it's really going to be hard to do when you're in that dark lull or you're in that really dark place where the world's crashing around you, but fucking love it. Embrace it. When you're there, if you can remember this or replay this or copy this clip, I don't know enjoy it because for this reason flip the switch and realize that number one you you have the ability and capability to feel the pain feel the you you have the discernment your brain works enough where you can realize that you're in a bad place some people don't have that gift some people don't have that that ability some people haven't been given a mind or, or the ability to discern what what's you know that feeling. So, so number one, that's the first thing you can be grateful for is that you can discern that. And you've realized that you're in this tough place. Fuck, this sucks. Remember where you're at. Remember, like realize how you got there and now get very tactical on how you're going to get out and be excited about the story that's going to come from that. Like be excited about that. This is going to be a, this is a part of your journey. Your story is still linear. You're on this, you're alive. You're still moving forward. And this is a chapter that's going to either refine you or define you. And my urge to that person would be to always be in a refinement mode versus a coward, cowering, defining moment. You know, never, I don't think you should ever have a defining mo- moment. You should have refining moments. And and when you do that, you're always a student, like we talked about. You're always refining yourself to be the person who you're, who you know, you should be. I don't think it's this hidden thing. I think most people know um, that's what causes the disruption. When you're when you're feeling down, you're feeling disrupted, it's because you know you should be doing something different, and you know that you belong in a different pot spot in a different place. So, um, yeah, that's that's my thought on it. That's amazing advice. Like I would, I agree with what you said. You know, rewind this, <laughs> snip it. <laughs> really listen to the whole episode again. Yeah. This and take notes because if you actually those watching and anybody that's familiar with my show, I've I I've taken a ton of notes and I'll actually review these before I even send it up to the publication company. It's there were so many nuggets of information. I'm not even gonna bother reviewing it. Go listen to it again. We're gonna go on to the last <laughs> thing. Tim, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? Should give a heck. You should love yourself enough to give a heck. You should love yourself and your future self and your future selves, kids, grandkids, uh, offspring, generations to come uh, to give a heck every day. Um, to mind, you know, mind your, if you're working a job, mind your job, mind your freedom at the same time, work your job, mind your freedom, uh, design a plan and have just give a, give a heck enough to believe in yourself and your ability to be, um, you know, the person that, that you've designed. 
and, and ultimately you say this too: live a life you don't need a vacation from. It starts with, with a plan and then belief in that plan, giving yourself permission to get out of your own way. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Again, hit the rewind button. <laughs> you got, this is, this is amazing. I can, I can't wait to have this go live. There's going to be so many, so many people that are going to resonate with your journey, your stick-to-itiveness, your tenacity. You're just, you're the full meal deal, brother. I appreciate you being on the show. So our time is almost up and I want to respect our listeners in your time. However, before we end, can you please tell the listeners what's the best way to reach Tim? Yeah. Uh, so you can go to timbrandian.com. Um, there's a multitude of different ways to reach me there. All my social media links are there. Uh, you can, you can click on those and connect with me on social if you'd like or reach out. Um, and then you know, you can, th- another simple way is Google as well. I think if you Google Tim Brannion, B-R-A-N-Y-A-N, you can find me or do a Siri search voice if you're tech savvy. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the true fan stuff, if you're a creator, if you're somebody that has a community, if you're somebody that's interested in learning more about monetization, like how you can, you know, earn impact, whether you're, whether you're a philanthropist, a musician, maybe a fellow podcaster or whatever, um, we are 100% invite only. So what I'll do is I'll go ahead and give Dwight um, access and then just hit up Dwight. Like he'll, he'll put his link or you can con- contact him and then he'll be the gatekeeper. Um, and we do that so we can help synergistically. I know I didn't tell you about that before we started, Dwight, but that's okay. Sure. <laughs> anybody I'm, that reaches I'm out, I'm going to say, hey, I'm, get with you. I'm more then- a game with game to help, man. I love connecting people as you noticed when we first started discussing. I like connecting yeah. people. And it creates profitability like for all sides, right? So if it's a win-win-win, I'm always about it. So um, those opportunities come about. But yeah, just hit up Dwight if you're interested in learning more. You can go to truefanswithaz.com to read more and learn more. Um, But the best way to gain access is just hit up Dwight. So that'll be the fastest way. And I'll make sure that all goes into the show notes, which you can access at a non-algorithm-driven site, which is my website. Go Go to giveaheck.com. And you can click on the podcast portal. There's portal buttons there and you'll be able to go in and see uh, um, Tim's smile and face and you'll be able to read the show notes. We'll have all the links in there and check out true fans and, you know, see what it's about. And if you're interested, like Tim said, reach out to me and we will, you know, we'll go further from there. Uh, Thanks again for being on brother. This has been fantastic. Uh, a blast, man. Yeah, thanks for me, having me. Absolutely. So thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, Tim. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com. And until next time, Together, let us all strive to give a heck.